It's a, it's a sad day in which we live whenever we cannot fully understand what real love is. But it's only, I think, a part of the nature of this fallen world in which we live that we won't know. For some, love isn't actually some shallow pond of polluted emotions that leaves people in regret and shame and remorse. And, and where do you go from here? We started a new series today called Love My Hood. And in this series, I want us to wake up and get past the, the sweet-smelling potpourri of love in a, in a sitcom or love in some, some song that we might listen to on the radio that just leaves us disappointed and shameful. I want us to really understand the real depths of love. We're not going to study the dark side of love as much as we're going to try to understand what real love is and what it is all about. And then how can we go into this world and be the love that we need to be? How can we live in relationships and show and give love the way it should be? It's not a feeling. And understanding that love is not a feeling is probably one of the greatest epiphanies some of y'all may have today. That it is a person. Love is a person. And that's where I want to start. I want to start with three presuppositions that I, that I build this entire series off of that we're going to move for uh, from this, these three presuppositions that I come to the table with today. And one is that we all need to know love. Not the emotion love. Love is deeper and wider than that. Not an object of love. She's a person, not, a, not an object. Noun is, uh, ver- love is first a noun before it is a verb. But it is an action, something that we take on. But we need to know first the noun form of love, and that being in the person of God. In 1 John chapter one, no, chapter 4, verse 16, it says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Now, just taking that verse right there and letting that be the bedrock foundation of understanding what love is, that first three words tells us that we cannot understand, we cannot live in love, be in love without first of all knowing God. When I know God, then I have the potential of tapping into the real depths of what love is. Anything short of that is a short-sighted form of love, a weak form of love, a generic form of love, and maybe even be a counterfeit form of love. The second presupposition, we all need to be loved. We live and we want to be loved. We long to be loved. There are, there are websites out there that will help you find love if you can't find love. Uh, we, we grow up in, uh, looking for our first love, looking for Mr. Mrs. Wright or whatever the case may be. We long to be loved. We desire. It's an insatiable desire. You'll not find it in any, um, any substitute outside of pure, genuine love. Now, what sadly happens is people settle for the feeling of love and not love. So let today be one of those that we take a scalpel and we take apart and we carve through and we dissect out what is real love. We all need to know love. We all need to be loved. But here's something that don't miss this because you might just end it right there and move right on, but don't miss this next statement. 
is we all need to love. Love is not a feeling that you have. We all need to love as well. There's a synergy that happens when, when love is in its purest form and synergy drawing from your physics experience in high school or colleges is that creation of a whole becomes greater than the individual parts. So it's not just you loving me and okay, I want to feel the love, but it's me loving you. And the more that I give my love to you and you give your love to me, then it creates this energy, this synergy that happens that gives us the fullest most profound and most beautiful experience in love. Love is not an abstract, it is real. It is not, again, a feeling, I can't say that enough, it is a person that leads to an action. Jesus loved us so much, God loved us so much that he sent his son. We know that from John three sixteen. But here's, a, here's another verse that, 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 that he calls his church, he calls his believers to in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. It's this great commandment out there. It's that you boil everything off, all the meat off the bones, you get it right down to the brass tacks, you get down to the, ba- the basics of it all. Out of the 40-something thousand verses that make up this book, here's the one that he says, listen, you get these two things down. Love God, love people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your strength and with all your mind. This is what we talked about last week. We read the same verse. And the next part is love your neighbor as yourself. Now in this series... We're going to focus on the last phrase. Not because of the first phrase isn't important. That's clearly a commandment number one. You got to love God. You got to, in fact, what did I say in the beginning? You won't be able to love others fully, completely until you, first of all, have experienced the love of God. And you are in this synergistic relationship with God where you're loving Him and He's loving you. Then you are tapping into the very essence of love because you're tapping into God. But when you experience his love and when you give love back to him, you are now more capable than ever before to love at levels that you've never loved before, to experience the purity of love that you've never experienced before. Loving your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. This is something so bedrock for us, so foundational for us. Since we began the church some nearly 14 years ago now, in fact, it'll be July, it'll be about 14 years that we, we launched out. This has been one of the foundational verses for us. We call it, the, it's just a part of our purpose statement. We have a great commitment to this. It's a part of what we're committed to. We have a great commitment to the great commandment, okay? That's the great commandment that we just read, to love God and love others. But the second part of that is the great commandment, and the Great Commission. Now, we're not talking about that this right now. We're going to talk about that in later months, uh, months ahead. We're going to kind of break this down over the next year and revisit it, but revisit it in a sequential kind of way. And we're going to start with the very first element in this series. But what will happen if we are very, 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 very committed to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission? Here's what will happen. We'll be able to build a great church for our great God. And that's the aim of it all. And I mean, we're not talking about a building here. We're talking about people. We're talking about people who are loving God, loving others, fulfilling what God has asked us to do. That's what we are about. 
Now we're going to, next week, let me just tell you about next week, because this is, again, the kickoff of the series. It'll go next week, it'll go for the next four weeks. But as we learn to love well, we're going to end it on Father's Day with learning how to love as a family. So just kind of look at it. We're at a very 30,000-foot level today, and then we're going to be diving deeper and deeper and deeper into this over the next week. But next week will be important as we look at it as a church. And, and, and I will say this. If you're a member of Grace Point, it needs to already be on your calendar. We do this right here this time every year. You need, you need to be here because this is Next week is what we call strategy meeting, which is the, the, the one time a year that we kind of cast the vision for the coming year. You don't want to miss that as a member. Now, if you're a guest, you're welcome to come because actually it may help clarify some things in questions about Grace Point and who we are and what we're about. And here's the thing that we're going to do next week. So we'll have our normal worship times, 9, 9 10, 10, 45. So you just come at your normal time. But then following that, we're going to have, immediately when we dismiss from here, we're going to have food trucks outside, and it's going to be about two bucks a meal, so you can't beat that at any buffet line in northwest Arkansas. And you're going to be able to feed your family for two bucks a person, all right? And it's going to be outside, and then we're going to come back in here, and we're going to serve, and we're going to serve about 11 different ministries, all right? Now, these ministries, let me just kind of point these out to you. To you. These ministries are ministries that our congregation, our family is already about. And we've just identified them. And so if we're going to talk about loving my hood, then let's do it. Let's not talk about it. So we're literally going to put it into practice. So next week you come, we're going to put it into practice. And these are ministries, are, these are area, not just ministries, these are, these are community service elements that all surround Northwest Arkansas. And everything we do next week, we'll unpack it next week, will be about that. But here's what we need to do. We need you to go online and sign up, all right, because we need to make sure there's enough food here because we know we like, you like to eat. But as we're talking about this, I want you to zero in on four key words. We're talking about this. We're talking about loving. We're talking about liberation. We're talking about leading, and we're talking about launching. Now, again, over the next year, I'm going to be giving messages on each one of those. This is the one on love. Let's do this one well. This one launches us. All right, this one gets us going. We got to do this one well, otherwise the other stuff won't fall into place. This is what we're going to be unpacking. So we want to love well. Here's a core value number one, if you want to put it in one statement. We want to love our God, all right? We want to love our God and our community deep and wide. That's it. We want to love our God and our community deep and wide. Now we're going to unpack deep and wide here in just a few moments. But what does that mean and look like and feel like for me? We're trying all by all means and all practical and all intentionality. We're trying to love our neighbors. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to learn to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Now, here's the problem. Most of us don't know who our neighbor is. Now, no joke, okay? I'm, I'm confessing this as much as I'm talking to you about this. We don't know our neighbors. There's two boxes right on the, in the middle of your paper, if you've got a paper when you came in today. Call them uh, the, the chart of your hood, all right, whatever you want to call it. And, and you got you got your geographical hood, all right? Now, I want to explain that one to you. That's the one with houses, all right? I want you, if you live in a standard subdivision, I want you to think of about eight houses that are around you, all right? Now, if you live out in the boonies, out in the woods, and you have cows and chickens around you, name them or whatever. But if you are living in a standard subdivision, you have houses all around you, whether you have eight, six, whatever you might have. 
Think about those that border your property or they're close by. How well do you know them? So there's three little bullet points there. I want you to think about each one of those squares as being one of your neighbors. How well do you know them? First square, uh, first little bullet point, I want you to put their name. Do you realize that 10% of the people who've done this activity that we're doing right now, only 10% know the names of all of the eight neighbors that border their property? Know the names. We're not even talking about anything else, just the names. All right? The second bullet point, I want you to think of one fact about them that you know. The third point is if you just like Mr. Social Butterfly or whatever, you might know three facts about him. Only about 1% know three facts about all eight of their neighbors around them. So this is a challenge that we're putting out there. How well do you love your neighbors? Well, you can't love your neighbors if you don't know your neighbors. So let's get to know our neighbors. All right, there's another, there's another category there. I'm going to call it your social hood. Now, these are the people that are probably... Uh, you know better, okay? They're at the gym with you. They're on your sports team with you. They're, uh, they're, they're somebody that, uh, that you maybe work in a cubicle with or they're all around you socially day in. You may spend more time with these people and you probably know more of them, all right? They could be your, your network of friends, your, your mops group or whatever it may be. I want you to think about them. How much do you know about them? Because again, how can you love someone if you don't know them? How can you be their neighbor if you don't even know who they are? So this just start working on that. You can tune me out the rest of the message and be doing that as your homework. And, and I'm going to keep talking because you know that, that I cannot talk, not, not stop talking. All right, 1 Thessalonians, we're going to be there if you do want to follow along. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. Probably a lot of your Bible pages, if you even have a Bible, because uh, you have it on your phone, I know, uh, that... Uh, you are still stuck together. I'm still kind of an old-fashioned guy. I like to have the black ink on white paper so I can circle and doodle in, in, in it. So if you have it, find First Thessalonians, all right? New Testament, back section, back there. You'll find two letters to the Thessalonica church. And um, to the Thessalonica, Thessal, okay, you got it. Uh, and uh, you had two letters to them, and Paul's writing them. Now, this church, this community is right on the Gulf. It's right on the Aegean Sea. And, and as they're, they're, they're a port city, and they're a strategic port city, because they're literally on the Roman road that connects Rome to Istanbul. So it's a very strategic city. And there's a church community of believers that, that have emerged there. They believe the gospel reached Thessalonica probably around 20 years following the resurrection of Christ. So here, some eight, nine, ten years later, here's Paul writing this very young starting church, and he's trying to coach them along and help them in an area that they're actually doing quite well in, but he's still coaching them in. And so let's jump in and read uh, verse uh, 9 chapter 4. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. But notice he keeps writing. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But you, but we urge you brothers to do, circle the word do, okay, do this more and more. And to aspire to live quietly, uh, to mind your own affairs. That might be a good Bible verse to memorize this week. Mind your own business. Um, to work with your hands uh, as, as we instructed you, 
so that, purpose clause, henna clause in the, in the Greek, circle, so that. This is why he wrote everything that he wrote about. We'll come back and hit it at the very end. Would walk properly before outsiders. Would walk properly before outsiders. We'll unpack that at the very end. But what I want us to understand and what I want us to begin to unpack is this. How is it that I love my community deep and wide? Deep and wide. How do I love them? Deep and wide, the way that we should love our community. Well, we're going to have to see it from different dimensions, okay? Three different dimensions we're going to look at love at, okay? First of all, there's an affinity of love, okay? There's something that brings us together. There's something that connects us. There's something that draws us in. There's some common ground that we have. And he starts off by saying brotherly love to one another, this brotherly love, what's this concept? Brotherly love is actually, it's interesting that whenever you look back at ancient Greek writings, Jesus introduced something, Paul keyed in on it, that is found in no other literature outside of the Christian literature. Okay, now hang on to that. No other literature outside the Christian literature is this word love connected with anybody other than some biological or marital connection. But yet what Paul does, what Jesus does, is he brings in a concept that I would actually, look at this, love you and love you and you would love me and we would love each other and there would be some kind of connection that we would have with some kind of care, some kind of concern, some kind of, I'm going to look out for you and you're going to look out for me and we're going to take care of each other outside the family, outside the biological family unit. In ancient Greek writings, it was only found inside the family unit. But what Paul and Jesus do is they bring it and they bring it outside and they bring it to other people. So here's how it would play out. The people on this side of the room, Justin Ferguson, wave, I see you up there. You're going to love Mike, wave, Mike over here, okay? You're going to love each other, even though you may not know each other that well. Now get to know each other after the service. You'll like each other, I believe. You both play the guitar. The point being is that what you're going to do is you're going to look around and you're going to get to know people. And you're not just in this big room together. And we're not just chill, uh, chillaxing together here. And we're not just listening to a cool band together here. But actually, there might be something bigger at play. That we actually may on a spiritual level learn to love one another. Now, love is not a feeling. Love is an action. But I actually may give action to caring for you. I actually may give of my time to caring for you. This is not just something that's just randomly in there. This is something that constantly in the New Testament, it's over and over and over again. You can't get away from it. It's constantly there. I want you to read with me these same words again and again. Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 10. Let's start there. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So here's the cool thing about this is that, listen, what the whole love thing is, is that I'm going to love you. You're going to love me, but I'm going to try to outlove you. I'm going to try to one-up you. And so what if we got into a frame of reference? What if we got into a spirit? What if we had a community that so loved one another, we constantly tried to outdo one another in our love and honor and respect for one another? 
that's when the, the community out there, the outsiders out there, those who are not yet followers out there, they start noticing there's something different about this place. It doesn't end there. Let's keep going. Hebrews 13, 1. Read it with me. Let brotherly love continue. 1 Peter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. All right, one more. 2 Peter 1, 7. And godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. That literally we're going to bring an emotion, we're going to bring action, we're going to bring activity, we're going to bring... Yes. What we need to understand is we're not just a room full of people. We're literally a room full... If you're, if you're part of the body of Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, qualification, qualification, I know. But if you are part of the following Jesus, you're my brother, you're my sister, and I'm your brother. And we need to love each other accordingly. We need to step up and be in people's lives, not their business. Remember, it says, mind your own business. But we need to be in people's lives in a caring, compassionate way. And let me just tell you this. I have the best job on the planet. Yes, you can be envious of me. All right? But let me just tell you, this week, two stories. This week, what happened? A cool story in the sense that a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, you noticed I shared a message on, on tithing. One family in, in the church had uh, received, I think the same week or in, in the same vicinity of time, a gift from their family, actually biological family, a gift of a new car. They were needing a new car. The family said, here, here's a new car. You love family members like that, right? Don't we all? All right, so they did that. So what does dad do? Dad thinks, oh, cool. Now I have an opportunity to make a few bucks because I can go sell our van that we need to sell and, and, and do that. Here's the message. Realizes that why do we tithe? If you remember a few weeks ago, we tithe because we want to worship God. We want to bless others. We want to worship God. We want to bless others. We want to worship God. We want to bless others. He realized, hey, you know what? Maybe somebody needs this van. Goes to Randy, tells Randy about it. Randy says, I don't really know anybody right now, but just hang on. Because the whole hang on thing means that God's moved in your heart. There's going to be a need. It's going to come up later on. And so here, this is what happens. We get an email, I think, last Sunday, if, if I'm correct. I was, this is what another member of Grace Point said. I was not sure who to contact. We've been trying about a year now to get our finances straightened out. And we're making progress. But going home from work a few months ago, we had another car hit us and total ours. We used the insurance money to buy a used cheap car. And we've been trying to repair some of the things that had, had wrong with it. But today, yet again, it cracked under the pressure. And now we are having to rely on family for transportation until we can get it repaired again. We are approaching our church to see if there might be anyone that might be able to help us in some way to get into a reliable car. Now, here's the beauty of this. Neither family knew the other families. But it's two families that are a part of this Grace Point family. That one has generosity. One has brotherly affection. One has a need. The beautiful thing is, is we just married them together. Isn't that awesome? Give the Lord a hand. For that. Second story this week. 
Liadra gets a voicemail on her phone. She's our children's pastor. She gets a voicemail on her phone from a mother who's struggling with cancer to the point that bills travel to MD Anderson, everything's racking up, having a hard time making ends meet. And she says, hey, I want to send my kids to day camp. Any chances there's scholarships available? Well, the second voicemail on her phone was somebody who said, I just got a bonus unexpectedly, and I would like to make a contribution to somebody who has a need. It was the exact amount that was needed for the children to go to camp. Give the Lord another hand for that. When we have a community that loves one another, that sees needs, and maybe you don't even see the need. I didn't know this car was broken down. I didn't know, but hey, there's generosity in me. God's love is in me. Hey, there might be a need over there. Here I am. I'm offering myself, my resources up. Here it is. I don't need it. Somebody else may need it. Somebody else may need it worse than I need it. But I'm going to love. I'm going to show it in action. I'm going to do it without a feeling. And I'm going to trust God to be glorified in it. So here's the challenge to you. You know, you've been making out your little social hood and your, and, your, and your neighborhood, your geographical hood. Here's the challenge for you. For the next four weeks, I want you to think of as many ways and actually take action with them. Again, love is action. I want you to take action and show love to your neighbors. You may show something this week. You may walk their dog. You may t- watch their children. You may mow their yard. You, you Just think of it. Think of a way that you could bless one of your neighbors and just go do it and just show love. No strings attached. Don't say, hey, the church is going to do this program on love. And so I got to love someone and you're the lucky one, aren't you? You know, no, just keep it to yourself and come mow my yard or something like that. I'll take it from you. But, but just do it. And this is not a program. You realize this is not a program. This is an ethos. This is a part of who we should be. We should be giving brotherly love. Because that's what we've been given. Because we've been loved by God, the God who is love. Therefore, I can love others. So there's an affinity that happens that brings about love. The second thing is the divinity of love. There's a God element in all of this. Yeah, there's a, there's a generic fabricated love out there in the world that is out there. But I'm telling you this, the true unadulterated love that we want to have comes from God. I love the statement that he makes in verse 9. He says, you were taught by God to love. Taught by the master of love. Taught by who, the one whose very essence is love. That's who's your teacher. Learn from the master. Who is your teacher? When it comes to the topic of love, I want you to look up here real, real carefully because I know this room is full of different makeup of people. And some of you lived a life and you received a little box of love. And that's all you got growing up. It's all you experienced growing up. And maybe you can't even really call it an experience of love. It was more or less seasons or moments of love, but there was not a general theme of love in your life. Guess what? You will only love the capacity you have been loved. You will only love the capacity that you've been loved. 
Some of y'all received a medium-sized box, a box of love where you were loved and, and embraced and you had a pretty good home. It wasn't a perfect home by any means. But, you know, you at least saw love modeled out there in someone. And that has been what you have been aiming, striving for, that unconditional, sacrificial love. And you have been ever since in relationships chasing it, in dreams chasing it, you have been after that kind of love for a long time. And that's beautiful that you even know what it looks like. Your capacity to love is only as great as your capacity that you have been loved. Some of you all, though, have the big box where it's overflowing. In fact, if you really want to look at it, the box and talking about this level of love, there is no box. It just spills over. This is that God kind of love that is is greater and you understand love and you give love greater and you are much more tolerant and patient and kind and gentle and forgiving. And just read 1 Corinthians 13. It tells you all about it. That's the kind of love that God teaches. Let me say it to you one more time. You will only love in the capacity that you've been loved. And if you have never experienced deeply the love of God, personally the love of God, you will never love at that capacity. Who is our teacher? Taught by God to love one another. Our core value is we want to love God and we want to love our community deep and wide. How do we do that? How do we do it deep and wide? You love our community deep in the heart, to the heart of their hurts and their sins. I know if if you have a person and all of this garbage is down here in their life, it's really hard to love someone much past and into the mire of their life. But here's what happens. If you really want to put a foundation in anything, in any ocean, sea, land, or whatever, you've got to get past the muck, the soft clay. You've got to go down to something solid that you can really drill into. And what real deep love is, is it pushes through the junk, the mire, and it goes deep, and it's unconditional, and it never ends. It's why God was able to love us when we were full of sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's, it's, it's Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that, 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 that God shows, he demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, while we're still in the mire, he drilled through it all. That's deep love. I want to be a church of deep love. I love a church. I saw one time on the marquee. If we had a marquee, we'd put it out there. But it said this, welcome pimps, prostitutes, and perverts. I want to be a church that can say that. That no matter what it is that you're mired in, we love you anyway. That's how deep the Father's love is. Secondly, how what's wide love look like? Wide love is whenever we're able to love beyond our comfort zone. Now, here's our comfort zone, okay? Here's our little family unit. We love everyone in our family unit. It's our little, it's our little tribe. It's who we're connected to. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of love for our Uncle Eddie's that are out there. You know, we all have them. You know, you, you, wouldn't, you don't like them, but you have to love them because they're family. Um, 
And yeah, everybody has one, you know, or two or three, or some of them are just blessed with a bunch of them. And you just have to kind of figure out how you're going to love them because blood's thicker than water and you just push through. But then there's those other people, the abusers, the haters. I can't love them. Nobody have a feeling of love for them. I don't feel, remember, love is not a feeling. It's an action. In fact, it's exactly what Jesus pointed it to whenever he was speaking to his disciples in Luke 6. He says, but I say to you who hear, because some people aren't hearing this, so listen, be careful, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Got three questions for you. Think about that person right now in your life that you'd like to pinch their head off and then blame somebody else for it. All right? What good can I do? Because he said, do. Because love is do. All right? What good can I do for my enemy this week? What blessing can I give to my enemy this week? How can I pray for my enemy this week? The person I cannot stand. That's the person. That's, that's, that's wide love. It goes farther than the commoner, farther than the world. That's in the only way you can do that when God is your teacher on what love is. And that's the very essence of who he is. The third dimension is infinity of love. Affinity is how we're all connected. We're connected because of the blood of Christ. It's the blood that connects all the followers of Christ together. It's what enables, again, Mike to love a Justin, Justin to love a Mike, and, and across the room that we can love people, okay? We can do that. But then there's that divinity of love where you're learning how to love because God is your teacher and how to love one another. Even though it doesn't come natural, even though all your friends say, hey, you don't have to, just give them a piece of your mind. And I'll help you give a piece of my mind. You know, whatever it may be. No, stop that. Don't add fuel to the fire. Learn how to love them. But then, then there's that infinity of love. It, it never ends. Notice that he said, I pointed it out to you. He said, listen, you're already doing this. I don't need to write this, but let me keep writing. He's like a typical preacher. He can't shut up because he goes on and he says, but I, we urge you, brothers, to do this. Do what? Do this love thing. Do it more and more. You're already doing it really good, but hey, listen, kick it up another notch. Throw in a little bit more love. Give a little bit more away. Love them a little deeper, a little wider. The problem with love is it takes time. I know that. And we're a very hurried culture. and We don't do time and love very well because time is more valuable than love. Can you imagine? John Ortberg said it like this, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time, and time is the one thing hurried people don't have. But here's the reality. And this is what Paul knew, this is what Jesus knew. This is why he said, hey, listen, you're loving well, but keep loving. Is love is bottomless. Can I say it again? Love is bottomless. The more you love, the more love you have. The more you love, the more love you get. 
worked the other way. The more you hate, the more you don't forgive, the more you don't move on, the more you're stuck, the more hatred you have, the more unforgiveness you have. Keep giving more love because you're never going to run out. The basin never empties out. They're in Thessalonica. Isn't there enough people in this major Roman road city to keep them busy loving? They didn't stop. They kept loving. And I love this about this, this passage. They loved, I love the statement, throughout Macedonia. So how far is our love going to reach? It's going to reach way beyond us. They loved throughout Macedonia. Now here, now let me give you a picture of this. So Macedonia is a former Baltic area in this peninsula of, of the Roman Empire. And it's, it's, it's be equivalent to a state. Now here's, here's the picture I want you to see. What if people in Magnolia, Arkansas, heard about the love of Grace Point Church? Or what if people in Jonesboro were so incredibly blown away because they heard about the love and even experienced the love of Grace Point Church? See, what I want us to be is I want us to be a community that that our love spills over and over and over and over and it reaches way beyond us. It reaches to our Macedonia. But it don't it doesn't just reach within our life's little holy huddle of churches. Notice that last statement, the henna clause. The henna is a Greek word that is the purpose clause behind everything in that paragraph. And so he brings us to the henna clause and he says this, so that you may walk properly before outsiders. What I hope Grace Point Church is known for in Bentonville, Arkansas, in Benton County, in Washington County, in this entire region, is I hope that when people look into or look about churches, they look at Grace Point and they look at the people because there's such vast brotherly love across the room and across the aisles and across the different political views and across the different races and across the different, wherever you want to cross, cross it. And there's so much love that's there that the people that are outsiders, that are not followers, that are far away from God, that they will say, hey, but I tell you what, there's a place you can go and you'll find a depth and a breath of love that is unmistakable of God. And you know who's going to do that? It's not going to be me here on the stage. It's going to be you, 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 and all the way through this room. When we all realize that we are to be givers and receivers of love, but we can only give and we can only receive at the capacity that we have been loved. And if the only little box of love that we have is one filled with abuse and conditions and neglect or whatever else, then we will only love at that level. What we need to experience is the God of love through Jesus Christ. There was a musician named uh, Rich Mullins. He was way before his time. I wish he was around today. His lyrics, his words, he died in a tragic accident, but he wrote some amazing lyrics to a song. One song that he wrote, it was on his the Jesus record. And one song that he wrote, the Christian music circles wouldn't even play it. They wouldn't even play it on the Christian radio or anything like that. 
because of a couple of words that were in there. Even when he died, they only agreed to play that song if they bleeped out these words. But we go full circle in the message with where we started and where we ended. These were the words. The whores all seem to love him and the drunks give him a toast. The name of that song, if you want to buy it off iTunes today, is Surely God is With Us. Whenever the people call them whores, call them whatever, call them victims, because we don't know the dark, dark story of their loveless life. What we need to do is we need to be the example of love so that as that song is titled, people will look at you and you and you and me and us and they'll say, there's one thing I know about that church, that body of people, is that God is with them because God is measurably coming out of them. Would you bow your heads with me? Just be really still. And I want you to think and reflect on your own experience of love and the capacity you have to love. To what degree has God in you shaped your capacity to love? If there's not a relationship with Jesus Christ, the best thing you could do in this moment right there where you sit is just lift up your voice to Him and say, God, I want that love. I want your forgiveness. I want your embrace. I want your acceptance. Love me deeply. Love me in breath as well. Love me thoroughly and completely so that I can love my children, so that I can love even my enemy. God, would you love me so that my capacity will grow and I can love others? Father God, you know our hearts. And you know that, Lord, we're not a church building. We're a people called your church. And Lord, you've called us to love. To love you and to love others. And we want to love well. We want the outsiders to look at us insiders and to say, God is with them. God is in them. Lord, right now in some of our hearts, we're, 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 we're burdened, we're consumed about the person that we're supposed to love that we don't love, and we're justified in the world's eyes not loving them. But, oh God, oh God, give us your love to love them, to love our enemies, to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who abuse us. Lord, help us to love as you love us. Help us to love others. Help us to be a church that will rise up and this entire state will know the difference. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Would you sing with us?
Would you do business with you and the Lord in this time? Rise and be the church.